Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. This morning, we're going to start, I don't know if we're calling it a series, but we're going to talk about David in the Bible. And there's a lot about David in the Bible. We know that David was a musician. He was a songwriter. I don't know if he could sing, but out there with those sheep, he could probably just carry a joyful noise and they wouldn't care. They'd probably be going, bad, that's so bad. That's a dad joke. I had to do that one. But he was a musician. He was a songwriter. And, and many of the Psalms that you read in the Bible were written by him. And he wrote many other parts of the Bible too. And the key thing is that the Bible said he's with the lineage of David. He was in the family of David. And Bible says Jesus Christ was introduced in the New Testament as the son of David. David was also called a man after God's own heart. How would you like to be called that? But it wasn't always lollipops and roses for David. He had to face, he had to face many giants. My eyes are blurry from crying so much here, y'all. He had to face many giants, not just Goliath. Many times in David's life, a man after God's own heart, he struggled with insecurity. We're going to talk about today. He struggled with insignificance. He struggled with battling failure because he failed God and he had to ask for forgiveness for a big major sin that Pastor Minnie is going to talk about in a few weeks. But over the next several weeks, we want to talk about how he did those things, but he also had a humble heart. He also came back to God and said, I messed up. I made a mistake. I, I, I'm humbly coming to you asking for forgiveness. And David danced in his underwear right down the middle of the street. Can I just tell you all something? I've been telling some people some stories over the last few weeks, and the Bible is so intriguing if you'll open it. I was telling a few people some stories this week, and they were like, I've never heard that story. Yeah, David danced in the street in his underwear, in his fruit of the looms, as hard as he could dance. But if you'll read the Bible from Old Testament all the way through, there are so many good stories in the Bible. So I'm going to encourage you over the next several weeks to kind of dig into what God's saying. Listen, you click next on Netflix, right? There are so much better stories in the Bible than what there is on Netflix and Hulu. Amen? All right, I'm getting in trouble myself. The title of this message today is, Does God Have a Plan for My Life? The backstory is, is Israel, God wanted to be Israel's king. But Israel wanted to have a physical king. They wanted something tangible, something that they could touch and feel and experience. They wanted a king just like every other nation. All the other nations had a king that sat on a throne and wore a, uh, had a scepter and wore that. They wanted that same thing. But God wanted to be their king. But maybe they were not actually looking for someone to take God's place. But they were, they were allowing the desire to have a king be more important than anything else. Come on. Like us, we, listen, we acknowledge God, but we still want what we want. Come on. Got any selfish people in here that want what you want? Y'all are saved in the house. Got your hands up here. We want what we want. So you know what God did? God gave them what they wanted. Here's Saul, the first king of Israel. You know, Saul is tall, dark, and handsome like me. Well, I'm tall, but I don't know about the rest of it. 
But he was tall, tall, dark, and handsome. And the Bible says when Saul first came in, he was very humble. He's like, you sure you want me to be the king? I, I'm not really qualified for that. He was very, very good until disobedience and pride took over. When disobedience and pride takes over, he lost his power, but more importantly, he lost his presence. It wasn't just the physical power. He no longer had the power of God moving in his life and going where he was going. Before too long, he ultimately lost his throne. He loses everything around him, and it's time to get a new king. 1 Samuel 16.1 says this. If you haven't read this, you need to read Samuel. It's so good. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, he's saying this to some of us in here this morning, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I could preach a whole message about that. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem for the man for, and find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. He says, go. You got to understand currently there is a king in power, right? If the rumor gets out, you know how rumors get out. Y'all know anything about rumors? You know, y'all. Trying to keep a secret. Can you all keep a secret? Before too long, it's all over the place and it's not the same thing that you started out saying. You know what I'm talking about. He said, if I find out, if somebody finds out that I'm going to look for a king, he's gonna kill me. Listen, sometimes God gives you the information and he wants you to fill in the blanks. Come on, he doesn't map it all out every time. He doesn't tell you exactly A, B, C, D, like trying to put something together. He puts it out there and tells you to, he, he says, fill in the blanks as you go. So many times we just have to go. You might not understand it. You might be scared to death to do it. You might feel insecure and insignificant in it, but you just have to go. Samuel heads over to Jesse's house. And he tells Jesse, hey, we're about to have a big dinner. And I want you to get all your sons here because there's a king gonna be crowned out of this in your family. What an honor to have the prophet. That, the prophet was coming to your house. What do you think they did? They probably cleaned the house real good, right? They swiffered it. I never swiffer it good enough in my house, but I'm sure that they did a really good job doing it, getting it ready for the prophet to come into the house. Isn't it funny? Y'all ever have anybody say, you've cleaned all day on the house. And as soon as they walk in and say, don't look at the house, it's a mess. What have we done for the last six hours but clean the house? It's not a mess, it's good. Yeah, the socks are over in the corner, but they'll be fine. But they all came to the house for dinner. And look at Samuel 6. And so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Surely, this is the one. This is the guy. He's tall, he's dark, he's handsome, he's the firstborn. And, but what he had done, he'd forgot all about Saul. Saul was the chosen one too. But Saul failed. What they do, Samuel was doing what we often do. He was judging by looks. He was looking at the surface, and man, Eliab, you look good. Come on, son, you look, you're the best-looking boy of all of them. He was judging by looks and surface. He was judging by social status. And you ever get a date and say she had a good personality? 
the kiss of death, I'm just gonna walk over that one, but he was judging all that by what he could see. Culture paints a picture that if we don't look a certain way, if we don't live a certain lifestyle, if we don't dress to fit the part, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. We scroll over social media and we think everybody else is having the best life out there. If, it does, if they're not driving this car or dressing this way, uh, um, electric rows, if we're not doing the, thing, the things that we're supposed to be doing, we just don't fit in. And it also leaves you in a place that if you don't do those things, if you don't capture the surface, you'll never be happy or you'll never be fulfilled. Verse seven, yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> Verse seven, but the Lord said to Samuel, here's what he's saying. Don't look at the appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. Come on, somebody's been looking at you a certain way. God don't see you that way. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What is in the inside is more important to God than what shows up on the outside. I asked you a question this morning. How's your heart? You know what your heart does? It affects the decisions that you make. What are you guided by? Who are you guided by? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. How many's own understanding has got them in a lot of trouble in their lifestyle? But God, I thought you said this, but no, I told you to do something else, but you leaned on what you wanted to do and what your understanding was. Your heart affects the words that you speak. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Pastor Mindy, we used to fight a lot. We didn't fight fair. And she'd always say, and I would say something later like, well, I really didn't mean it that way. She'd say, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth has spoken. She maybe didn't say it that way, but she, kept, she quoted scripture on me. So if you're saying it out of your heart, you must mean it. Listen to you this morning. That was my, that was my best black preacher. Come on, y'all. Got to give me something. I love it. Y'all ever been to black church? It is so awesome. I'm telling you what. Woo! But listen, this should be our prayer. Psalms 19, 14 says, says this. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Not to everyone else. You don't got to please everybody else as long as you please God. Our heart also affects how you look at material things. Where your treasure is, your heart will also be there. Where is your treasure? Is your treasure in your career? Is your treasure in your job? Is treasure in money and possessions? Listen, where your heart is, those things are fleeting. They can be gone just like that. But I'm telling you, when you search, seek after God with all your heart, he changes your affections. It also affects your ultimate decision, which means if you confess with your mouth, and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. There is, that's one of the biggest part of our heart confessions we need to be. Listen, our heart dictates what we do, our heart dictates what we say, and what we believe. 
God wanted Israel's heart. He wanted their heart. He wanted the very being of who they were. So listen to what he says in verse eight. So Jesse called Abinadab, I'm gonna get these words wrong, Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord's not chosen any of these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all, listen to me, are all the young men here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is out there keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him in, for we will not sit down until he comes. David was called to the house. And listen, in Jewish culture, the number one son was the rightful heir and on down the line. David was the eighth son. He had the deck stacked against him from the beginning. David was too insignificant that his father didn't even invite him to the party. Can you imagine all your sons are here? Yeah, all my sons are sitting around here. And all of a sudden, well, wait a minute. I got another one out there somewhere. I'm, you know, he, the youngest one's out there. He's out doing something. He's, I think he's keeping the sheep. David was too insignificant. And the definition of insignificant is looking is looking over, not worth considering. Listen, what insignificant does, it leads to insecurity. When I ask you something this morning, where do insecurities come from? Were you bullied growing up? Did you always have to perform to be loved? Were you told as a child or growing up that you're just not good enough? Did family dysfunctions and secrets all make you live in fear as a child? Come on, this is, this is ringing true with someone in here this morning. Have repeated disappointments, you failed and you failed and you failed, led you to believe that all you are is a mistake? We just don't measure up. What we do have, what we look at is what's in our bank account and what's not in our bank account, it's water, it'll be okay. Um, David could have said this, Eliab is the oldest. He's taller than me, he's better looking than me, he's the first in line. Listen, comparison can make us lose our identity and make us feel invisible. I can imagine Dad say, I mean, David saying this, Dad, don't you see me? He's probably like, right here, hey, Dad, I'm right here. You're seeing the Marco Polo uh, commercial. I'm here, hey, Marco Polo. Dad, I'm right here. I live in the same house as you. I take care of your sheep. I'm your son too. Can you imagine the insecurity and the insignificance that he must have felt saying, man, I wasn't even called to the party. Listen, we got people who feel invisible in this world today. You see of school shootings of, of people that were on the outcasts and the outskirts that felt so invisible that they did something, even though it was bad, to get the attention. The youngest, you notice what he said, the youngest, they didn't even call him by name. They called him the keeper of the sheep also. But can I tell you that David had a real name? And listen, sometimes I identify. In my phone, you'll see Bobby the plumber. Come on, do y'all do that too? Mike Crass boxes. So I always identify people with something I can remember. But there's so many times when we're identified with things that we should not be identified with. So many times uh, they call us a nobody and we identify with it. 
They call us insignificant and we identify to it. They call us insecure and angry and we identify with all of those things. Listen, once you put a name on it, it starts to stick and you start walking around with it and it starts to show. Some of you from a child have been called something, have been named something and you carry it now into your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and it shows up all over you even though you try not to show it up. But it's so ingrained in you, it shows up. God knew, listen to me, God knew before he formed you that you were gonna have deficiencies and you were gonna have flaws. Here's what he did. He looked beyond your faults, aren't you glad? He looked beyond your past, aren't you glad? Come on, somebody. He looked beyond your limitations. He looked beyond your current definition of success and he looked upon how many times you've been picked over. David was not in the lineup, but God had something lined up for him. Verse 12, and so he sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy, I'm gonna give you, he had a great complexion. He had bright eyes and he was good looking and the Lord said, arise and anoint him. Listen, for this is the one. David walked in the house looking good, feeling good. No, feeling probably pretty bad because he wasn't, he wasn't invited. He came in the house as an outcast he came in the house as disregarded and overlooked, but on this day, listen to what it said. The Lord said, arise and anoint him. No matter what your natural father tells you, no matter what your natural mother have told you, whatever your friends and your family have said about you, let me tell you something. You are the one. Come on, somebody needs to hear that this morning. You've been told something else your whole life. No, you're the one. You're the chosen one of God. What God, says about, what God says about you has the power to change everything in your life. You might not have been picked, but you've been chosen. He sees more than we'll ever see in our own self. He sees more than other people see in you too. He has a plan for your life. Let's look at verse 13. And then Samuel took the horn of oil, I like this, and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Listen, not only did dad disregard him, but I'm sure his brothers their whole life had looked down on David, called him the youngest, made fun of him. Come on, older brother, I was the oldest brother. I love to pick on my brothers and sisters, and I was good at it. But in the midst of his brother, the spirit of the Lord came upon David. Listen, from that day forward, remember that as we go into the story. So Samuel arose and he went back home, basically, to Ramah. 1 Peter 5 says this, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God that at the right time, at the right time, come on, not your time, not somebody else's time, but at the right time, he will lift you up and he will honor you. Give all your worries. You've been worrying about something. You All you gotta do is wait for the right time. He cares about you. There is a time, if you will remain faithful, that God is going to exalt you. He's gonna lift you out of that thing that you've been going through. His time had come, and so can yours. You might have been laughed at. You might have been made fun of. Come on, somebody. You might have been misunderstood. But in the midst of his brothers, the Bible says, you prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. Somebody's gonna have to sit and watch you eat one day that used to laugh at you. Somebody's gonna have to... They might have to eat their own words. Well, he used to be this or she used to be that, but uh, 
They're not that way anymore. Come on, God is moving you in a different place and you don't have to listen to what they, because he's got a different plan for your life. <sighs> David was the eighth son and eight seemed like a curse. Eight seemed like it was illegitimate. The world, you know what the world is screaming? Be number one, number one. But we feel like an eight most of the time, don't we? David, like us, had the opportunity to allow his insecurities to keep him from his destiny. He had the opportunity to shrink back and become invisible. He he could have carried the labels on through life with him. Listen, this morning, maybe you've come in here this morning and your faith and your hope is on life support. Maybe you've come in here and your marriage or your relationship needs some CPR this morning. Maybe you've walked in here this morning and you've quit dreaming. Come on, you even give up. Can I tell you this morning, God has got a great plan for your life. You just gotta keep moving. You just gotta keep going. Listen, seven is the number of completion. And maybe you've just completely given up. But I'm gonna have you start here in Isaiah. It says, do not remember, and this one's hard. Do not remember the former things. Don't remember the former things. Remember what God has for you going forward. So many times we live in the past. So many times we live in, 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 in their land, right? Back there. And God has said, I've got something a little more better for you out there. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And verse 19 says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now I shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? It will make a road in the wilderness. Come on, somebody's been going through the wilderness and God has made a road through it for it. He's gonna make some rivers in your desert too. The God is the God of the impossible and he wants to do a new thing in your life this morning. Let's all stand if we would. This morning, God wants to do something new. But pastor, you just don't know my life. I don't care, it doesn't matter. God wants to do something new this morning. You just don't know where I've been. I don't care this morning. God wants to do something new this morning. Maybe this has rang, rang true to you this morning. Maybe you're feeling insignificant. Maybe you're feeling overlooked and you feel like, you know, I've been passed by so many times that nobody really cares about me. This morning, you may not have been picked, but you can be chosen. The choice is yours. And the way to be chosen, first of all, is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord and Savior in your life. And this morning, if you've never, let's all bow our heads and not look around just for the comfort of those that are around us. Maybe you've never given your heart over to Jesus. Maybe you don't understand what salvation is, but there's something kind of flittering in your heart right now. You don't really know what it is. Can I see a hand if you're feeling that way? I see those hands. Yes, I see those hands. This morning, the prayer team is gonna be up here on the left and the right, and it starts with a walk. It starts with a, a choice to choose Jesus. And maybe you just got to come and say, Jesus, maybe you don't even know what it sounds like to pray or how to pray, but it sounds kind of easy to just say, Jesus, I come this morning 
and I choose you. Will you come into my life and will you forgive me? Will you change me? Because I've been trying to change me and it ain't working. Jesus, this morning, I thank you for choosing me. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for the forgiveness and the blood that you shed on Calvary for me. You died so I could live. Listen, this morning, if you prayed that prayer or, or something similar to that and you need prayer, come to this altar this morning. They're open, they're wide open this morning. But maybe you're here today and you've been following God for a little while and, and you still have the question, does God really have a plan for my life? Can I just tell you this morning, you don't gotta jockey for a position. You don't gotta fight for approval. You don't need someone else to celebrate you. You don't need someone else to fail so you can succeed. So you can succeed. This morning, God says, come to me. I have a plan in your life. Just because you've hit a few roadblocks and a few detours and a few bumps in the road and messed up your motorcycle, that doesn't matter. God still has a plan for your life. This morning, God sees you. God values you. And can I just tell you, he's not done with you yet. What's that one song we sing? As long as I'm breathing, he's, I don't even, I messed that up. Yes, if I'm not dead, he's not done. The callings and the gifts and the anointings and his favor have your name on them. All you have to do is ask. This morning, I'm gonna ask you to open up your heart and your mind to God. Say, God, I'm here today. I need you as a savior. Or God, I just need you to tell me what my next step is. And not only tell me what my next step, help me to, to be able to step into it. And even if I don't see it in that first or second or third step, God, help me to keep stepping. Help me to keep going forward. God, also open the hearts and my minds and our minds to those around us where we work. Oh, Jesus, help us, help us not to ever let anybody feel insignificant. Help everybody to feel like they're being seen and their eyes are open to them. This morning, if you need prayer for any reason, these altars are open in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon. Thank you.